couple of brief announcements. One is the Deanery Junior High Rally is scheduled for November 4th. And registration is on now. If you have any questions, speak to Deacon Jason after Mass. And it's for the entire South, Southern, and Eastern Deanery. And so they're estimated to be two, about 200 kids there with a special guest and musician. The cost is $50, and lunch and dinner will be included. Registration closes October 18th. So this week, register at the parish office. And once again, talk to Deacon Jason for more information. And the other is tomorrow, this isn't a church item on the liturgical calendar, but I think in the national calendar, tomorrow is the Pregnancy and Infant Loss Remembrance Day. And so a special way to remember for those that are grieving the loss of a, of a baby. And that, that has a special place in my heart. I did my hospital chaplaincy in the NICU unit at St. Luke's in Boise. And that's a very, very tender uh, ministry. And it, there's real pain there for, for families that grieve grieve the loss of a loved one. I know of at least one member of our parish that's going through that now, so we can keep her and her family in our prayers as well. But that's tomorrow, and of course the Knights of Columbus hosts a walk for life once a month, every second Saturday of the month at 1045. So the next one will be a month from now. So that's a good way to support those, and also a good way to, to grieve the loss of, of young ones. Okay, we've been traveling through a series of parables that are really challenging. And we have another one today. And one of the things that I think these parables address is the, the erroneous teaching, I'll call it, because I think Jesus exposes this. The erroneous teaching that all that we need to do to, to get into heaven, to, be, to go to heaven, is to be a good person or to love or to have faith. And I'll go through this, but, but Jesus warns again, teaches very harshly against that again and again. Now, Jesus is loving and merciful, certainly, but that's not all that there is to God. And that's not all that there is to the Christian life. So we don't want to reduce the Christian life to any one element, including this element of being loving and being merciful. That's a key one, but that's not all that there is to it. And so Jesus is saying here, even those who are in the wedding banquet will not necessarily be saved because there is something that else that's needed. And in the parable, it's this wedding garment. So what is this wedding garment? That should be the, the question that arises here immediately. What is this wedding garment? Because I want to I be wearing that. If I'm not wearing that wedding garment, I'm going to be bound. My, what did he say? Bind his hands and feet and cast him into the darkness outside where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. These are the words of our Lord. So we want to know what that wedding garment is so that we can put it on and wear it. And there's a great sermon by St. Augustine, you know, one of the great doctors of the church. He walks by several, he walks through several possibilities. Is it faith? He explains no. Is it baptism? Any of the sacraments? No. Is it good works? No. And so what is it? And so I'll, I'll wait till the end to tell you his answer. Hopefully I'll have your attention. But it's not these things, and that, that should, that's peculiar, you know? Even coming to this banquet, the wedding feast of the Lamb here, is not, is not the wedding garment. It's being in the banquet, and that's in the parable, to be in the wedding banquet. But we want to be wearing that wedding garment. And a related question here, too, is, 
St. Paul's secret, you know, we heard in, that, in the second reading, in every circumstance and in all things, humble circumstances or abundance, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry. So what is that secret? I want to know that secret, to be thankful in every circumstance. And I think that it's the same answer to both of those questions. At least that's, that's what I'm going to propose. So we can pray here the words of the, 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 the verse right before the gospel, where he says, where Paul, writing to the Ephesians, said, May the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ enlighten the eyes of our hearts, so that we may know what is the hope that calls, that belongs to our call. So I'll do this in, in a circuitous route. We'll take the, the scenic route to get to the answer. So we know that there is serious trouble in the world today in the world and in the church. Of course, the war, perhaps the rising pandemic, we have trouble in our own personal lives. And in the church, a lot of people are really concerned about the synod. And of course, there's always trouble in the church. There's always corruption. Even just this morning, you know, we had, the, we had a solar eclipse or a lunar eclipse. And this morning in the lectionary for Saturday's mass, this morning was a, was a prophecy about having an eclipse and war in Israel. And somebody asked me, is, what's going on here? Is, that, is this happening? You know, what's being prophesied here? And I want to suggest that making a really tight connection between apocalyptic readings in the lectionary or even just dark messages from, from the Bible, making a really tight connection between those and what we see in the newspapers, or we don't have newspapers anymore on the internet, is troubling, is, is not helpful. <clears throat> and we can do that every day of the year. There's bad news every day of the year. But it's a spe- we're especially inclined to do that when the news are particularly dark. And I suggest that that's not a good reason, not a good thing to do for three reasons. First is that it leads us to live in fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of the uncertainty. What will happen tomorrow? Secondly, because it leads us to grow in pride. I'm not causing these things in the world or in the church. I'm doing all the right things. If those people were doing the right things like I'm doing, we wouldn't have this problem. That's called pride. And thirdly, because it leads us to focus on the future. Something needs to happen tomorrow. Something needs to be, ha- to be different tomorrow than how it is today in order for me to be happy or joyful or fulfilled, to enjoy a good life. Something in the future needs to happen. Now, don't get me wrong, the world will end someday. I say that in the creed multiple times a day. The world will end. But we don't know the day or the hour. And looking for signs doesn't help us. Now, all... All three of these things, fear, pride, and focus on the future, can lead us to be the one that Jesus warns against in the 11th chapter of Luke. This was the reading a couple of days ago. He describes how an unclean spirit goes out of someone, and he goes out and looks for rest, but then he doesn't find rest, and then he returns to that original person. But he finds it swept clean and put in order. But upon returning, he finds it swept clean and put in order. And that can, that can be us, you know. We're going to Mass. We're keeping the commandments. We're going to confession. 
We're not doing anything terrible, robbing banks or anything else, causing wars. So we're doing pretty good, you know, our houses are put in order. But then what does it say? Then it, the evil spirit, goes and brings back seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, who move in and dwell there. And the last condition of that man is worse, worse than the first. So this can become us. This can be. This is a warning to us if we're living this way, if we're living in fear, pride, especially focusing on the future, and drawing these tight connections between the scriptures and world events, current events. So not a not a good idea. So what's the alternative? We hear in the twelfth chapter of John, the prince of this world will now be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all to myself, says the Lord. Of course, Jesus said this before his death and resurrection, and he was speaking about his death and resurrection. When I am lifted up from the earth, his ascension, well, first before that, the prince of this world will now be cast out. That happened at the resurrection. And I am, when I am lifted up from the earth, the ascension, I will draw all to myself, says the Lord. These things happened 2,000 years ago. The focus of Christianity is not what might happen tomorrow. The focus of Christianity is what God has already done for all of humanity. That work has already been accomplished. Jesus has already done these things. The focus is not on what might happen later. I don't like the way that the world is going, and I have hope that God is going to intervene and set it in a better direction. Or I don't like the way that the, world is, that the church is going, and I have hope that God is going to intervene and set it in a better direction. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's wrong or false or bad to think that. I hope the world and the church gets, get better tomorrow, sure. But I am suggesting that having this orientation, this direction, this focus, misses the mark. It misses the higher truth that God has revealed and continues to reveal to us the truth that God has already conquered sin. He has already overcome the world. And He has already made heaven accessible to us. And not just heaven in the future, after I die, after we die. Sure, that's true. But heaven now St. Catherine of Siena put it this way, all the way to heaven is heaven because Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Life with Jesus today is already heaven. And walking with Jesus for the rest of our lives will lead us to heaven. This has already been made accessible to us. 
And here's the thing. We don't need to wait until whatever might happen tomorrow. Could the world get better tomorrow? Could the world church get better tomorrow? Sure. But a life with God today is infinitely better than whatever might happen tomorrow. Than whatever better degree the world might turn into tomorrow. Could it get better tomorrow? Sure. But a life with God today is infinitely better than that. That's Christianity. Okay. Now we're in a position to answer the initial questions. What is the wedding garment? And what is the secret of St. Paul? So that sermon of St. Augustine, he said all those other things weren't the wedding garment. Then he says, what is that wedding garment then? This is the wedding garment. You wish I would have just read this right away, I know. Now, the end of the commandment, says the Apostle St. Paul, is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. The wedding garment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. This is a requirement to go to heaven. If we die without it, without the wedding garment, and we're in the state of grace, we go to purgatory. So that can continue, so that we can continue to be purified, purged of our impurities, purged of our uncleanliness. Anything that's preventing us from having a good conscience, a pure heart, that needs to be purged. And that will happen in purgatory if we die without having is completed. And this is also St. Paul's secret for being thankful in all circumstances. Those that have a charity of a pure heart, of a good conscience, and a faith and faith are thankful for whatever circumstance they find themselves in, in want or in abundance. Do I get disturbed when others mistreat me? When, other, when others stone me, metaphorically? When others imprison me, metaphorically? I do, yes. Do I get anxious or depressed when things are misdirected in the church or in the world? I do, yes. These are symptoms that show me that I'm not yet wearing the wedding garment. I don't yet have St. Paul's secret. It reveals that I don't yet have that charity out of a pure heart, of a good conscience, of faith and faith. I have some level of charity, sure, some level of good conscience, some level of faith. But God wants to do more with me and with each of us. This is revealing to us that we don't yet have a pure heart. And therefore, we're not yet ready for heaven. We're in need of further purgation. Good. The problem is diagnosed. The problem is not out there. The problem is in, the problem is in us. 
So what's the medicine? The medicine is always the same. The medicine is God. The prince of this world will now be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all to myself, says the Lord. This happened 2,000 years ago, sure. But it gets represented hour after hour, day after day, week after week, on every altar of every Catholic church throughout the world. Jesus' death and resurrection gets represented on the altar every time the holy sacrifice of the Mass is offered. So in a few moments, I'm going to prepare the offerings to be offered, to be united to the sacrifice of Christ. And I'll be doing here with this with some elements. And in that meantime, in, during that time, you can unite your offerings to those elements. What has come up during this homily, during this Mass, during this week, that is preventing you from having a pure heart, a clean conscience, perfect charity. Whatever that is, you can lay it on the altar. And then I will lift up the body and the blood of Christ. And when I do that, these words will be made true once again. The prince of this world will now be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all to myself, says the Lord. Whatever vices, whatever attachments, whatever is standing in the way, whatever sources of discouragement or sadness, whatever is preventing us from living heaven now with Jesus and walking the path to heaven for all of eternity, whatever that may be, can be laid right here on this altar. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all, I will draw you to myself. 